Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What happens when a popular rock radio DJ retires, sells everything, and with his wife, takes off in an RV to see America? Ho, ho, ho! It's the Rockin' the RV Life podcast with Jeff and Patty. Join them each week as they share their experiences while giving you advice and tips along the way. Hi, thanks for listening. I'm Jeff. And I'm Patty. And this podcast is sponsored by the Ohio RV Super Show, presented by Progressive. Hundreds of RVs under one roof, Wednesday, January 4th through Sunday, January 8th at the IX Center in Cleveland, Ohio. Mark it on your calendar because it's coming up quick and we're going to be there too. Yes, we are. Looking forward to meeting you. And as we've been traveling across this country, we've noticed that there are a lot of single, middle-aged women that are part of this RV trend. Yes, it was in episode 15 that we introduced you to Kathy, who as a single woman, she's been traveling in her RV with her dog, Coco. Mm-hmm. And then there's Susan, who was in episode 20 and 36. Don't miss those episodes. Oh her stories are incredible. She can fix anything that breaks in her traveling office and home. We met Michelle, who works in an RV park in Bar Harbor, Maine in the summer, and at another one in Palm Springs in the winters. So she drives back and forth across the country with her three dogs. Then there's Michelle Brown and her dog, Carmen, who, while traveling by herself, met her husband, David. They were in episodes 53 and 39. And then we recently met Jenny at an RV park. She travels by herself and works at RV parks. Yeah, and she also was telling us about that group of RVers that's for single women. Yeah, she had a lot of really great information. It was really interesting. And we tried to get her to do a podcast, yeah. and she wouldn't do she it. She won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and the other night, we met Lisa Hall, who's with us right now. Yep. Lisa has been traveling in her RV by herself for over five years, is a retired emergency room doctor, knows just about anything you would want to know about RVs and traveling. She's got a lot to share with you. Lisa, welcome to our podcast. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here this morning. It is a pleasure to meet you. And we've had these conversations, Patty and I, about how this year we're seeing more women RVing by themselves. Do you see that as well? Oh, certainly. They're becoming more empowered to do so as they see other women doing it. And I think because the internet, they can see you doing it. They can see what you do and hear about you. And so I think more and more women are being empowered to do it and realizing that they can do it. They Mm -hmm. totally can be independent and be on the road and be absolutely fine. And you have been doing this for how long? This is my fifth year. So basically, I'm just right at four and a half years right now. Mm-hmm. By yourself and the whole time? By my Well, my mother was with me the first year because I cared for my parents for 21 years. Right. And so she was still alive the first year. And then about 12 months into our journey, um, she went back to be with dad. They missed each other. <laughs> and so, um, yes, but otherwise alone with two dogs. What kind of dogs do you have? So I have a little Springer Spaniel. Uh-huh. I say little. He's actually 40 pounds, but he's little compared to the other dog. Yeah. He's six. His name is Gabe and I have a border collie who's 13 
And so uh, they keep me pretty darn busy, very oh, active boys. Yeah, oh. <laughs> I would imagine so. And how many miles do you estimate you've traveled? Well, I looked it up this morning just to be sure, and I'm about 146,500 miles since I started. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's crazy. That's I have a little wanderlust. I don't stay sitting in oh. one place very long. <laughs> I would imagine that women would say, well, I don't know if I could do this. I, I'd be kind of scared my security have you ever run into any issues like that you know what i feel like that i've traveled all over the world i've actually been to 190 countries and wow. i've done missionary work in 29 countries so i've always traveled alone i've been single since i was 28 and i think that i have a certain way of you know taking care of myself i'm not i'm very smart as far as like i very rarely go out at night right. you know if i'm somewhere alone i always kind of take a glance outside look around sometimes i let the the border colleague because he's more and more productive dog go out first you know if i'm concerned but honestly i have never ever had a day or a night where i've been scared or concerned or mm-hmm. anything honestly wow, that's great and i mean sometimes i'm off grid six seven weeks at a time without wow. cell service or internet or anything and i can't say you know and and all that time and I, it, it could happen i mean it has happened in my lifetime but not while traveling so i know it's a possibility but you know if you live for worrying about what might happen then you don't really live right yeah you know that's a good <laughs> yeah. point and another good point is the fact that you are a true rver you will go off the grid you can boondock for a long time right. can't you well i can boondock indefinitely the only thing that ever brings me in is the black tank about seven weeks i want to find somewhere to dump that mm-hmm. but as far as my solar i have solar and lithium and i don't turn on the generator i don't start the engine i can go as long as i want i mean as long as there's sunshine now if i have a cloudy day i might turn the generator on for an hour in the morning an hour in the evening to you know to energize those batteries a little bit right but it's rare that i'm anywhere it's cloudy because i like 75. Mm-hmm. <laughs> lisa has a motorhome so she has a tiffin what is it a tif- it's a tiffin allegro red yes. uh-huh and how big is it so it's 41 and a half feet 41 and a half wow. and you yeah. pull a car she does this all by herself it's amazing <laughs> yeah i'm 65 feet long thirty-four thousand five hundred pounds and 12 feet nine inches tall wow <laughs> let's get back to the solar power a little bit this is something that blows me away you designed it yourself didn't you right well i grew up in an electrician family my father was electrician and actually wired the apollo missions and minuteman missed sites all over in the 60s and then being i was a physician in my real life and um, i had to take a lot of physics and chemistry and biology so i understand electricity real well and one of the things you know as growing up doing this because my parents rv'd and i've had fifth wheels and trailers my parents had motorhomes this is my first motorhome is that i always realized we always wanted to be off grid and we needed some way to power things because i have a residential fridge in there i have a regular size you know house fridge right (laughs) and uh, i don't want to worry about my freezer thawing or not being able to take ice cream i don't personally eat ice cream but my dogs love it (laughs) things like that but you know it's just it was something i wanted and so it's kind of what i did in my last two years before i kind of launched was i designed the system Mm -hmm. and i figured it out and i broke down all the amps of every you know every single appliance that you have you have to figure out what your normal draw is and then you have to figure out what you need and then you have to figure out what you're going to get from the sun right and the only thing i've really disagreed with about what most people do is that 
they're more concerned with how much solar they have on the roof and what you should be concerned with about is how much storage you have in those batteries mm -hmm. and that's why i went lithium i wouldn't go any other way right how many lithium batteries do you have so i have six battleborn 100 amps so i have wow. 600 amp hours of lithium and the advantage to those is that you can nearly draw them down to zero can't you you can you can technically to 10 percent if you'll mm -hmm. but you know i've never even seen them below 50 or 60 percent right. though and with us we've got the regular old acid battery and mm -hmm. when it gets to 50 percent you can't let it go below exactly. that otherwise you'll damage them exactly and the other thing that people don't realize i mean now lithium batteries are getting more and more economical but when i bought mine i, I you know there's certain ways to buy lithium batteries where you can get really good prices on them which is what i did but i paid about 800 they were on 1100 dollars a piece i paid 800 dollars mm -hmm. a piece for them and so i bought six of them it's a lot of money but what people don't realize is mine now mine are original ones so they have more than a 15 year guarantee on them right. um, they've they've lessened that a little bit now but what people don't realize is in the amount of time that i have those batteries you will replace yours three to four times if not five times wow and oh so then if you add up that amount of money then you know you've spent yeah. as much as i have on my lithium and you haven't had all the advantages of lithium yeah. right and yeah. how many solar panels do you have where do you have do you have them on the roof they're all on the roof mm -hmm. i have 1200 watts wow and i have three air conditioners two vents i mean people say oh how do you get that much on your roof it's really a minor about 200 watts each mm -hmm. you know it's really not that hard to get i mean i could probably easily put over 2000 on there if i wanted but i don't need it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i just really don't need it because you know just mathematically exactly what you need exactly i knew that before i ever even bought the coach i knew you know what everything used and then i just had to adjust a little bit accordingly mm -hmm. and um that's the trick and then the second thing i did that is really you don't hear about people doing it all and i think this is very important is i put in a second panel okay so like i can run my air conditioners because my air conditioners are each on a different sub panel mm -hmm. and so i can run my air conditioners several hours every day without any problem and still go overnight on my solar without any issues that's incredible right because for us it's completely the opposite you know we have to charge those batteries we'll have to start that generator mm -hmm. and run that for a couple hours before you go to bed right mm -hmm. and then you get up in the morning you don't want to wake everybody up or disturb anybody if they're mm -hmm. near you so yeah. you know you're kind of counting those amps until yeah. seven or eight o'clock mm -hmm. well and when you get used to not running your generator you don't realize how loud it really is just even in your own coach mm -hmm. you know because i i run mine to exercise it now when i'm on the road it's just easier for me when i'm driving since i got every single thing in that motorhome on my mind i don't want to be worrying about my power for my air conditioners and things and so i just turn the generator on and use that time to exercise my generator when i drive because i have two pups that need the air conditioning right yes. and so um I, I notice right away the minute i turn it on it's like wow that's loud and you know i didn't used to think that before i had the solar i had the coach for about seven months before i had the solar put on and yeah. uh, i didn't notice it so much then but once you get rid of it you realize how loud it really is even in your own coach yeah definitely so. well you have traveled all over the the place you've been to mexico you've been to alaska right I've, I've, that coach has been up to alaska several times yeah mm -hmm. my children um well so i i went the first time when i was seven with my father and then i've been 25 times to alaska but my kids moved there about 17 years ago mm -hmm. and so i've gone out to see them several times and went all around alaska i love alaska i everybody should go once it's somewhere you'll never see anywhere else in the world uh, and i've yeah. been all over so I, <laughs> you know what route do you recommend taking if we're going to go to alaska so it really totally depends on what 
all you're really interested in seeing. And the first route, the first time I went, I went up through Washington State mm-hmm. and BC and everything. And everybody should do that once, either on the way up or on the way back. But since I've kind of seen all of that and I've done Banff and the ice, you know, ice fields and everything, now I go to Sweetgrass, Montana and jump up to Calgary, to Alberta, and across through the Alcan. Mm-hmm. And the reason I do that is because the roads are a little bit better, it's a little bit faster, less curves, less hills, less mountains to deal mm-hmm. with. Because now I've done it enough times, you know, driven it enough times that it's more like, you know, I'm not. But the first time, it's really definitely, I would go both ways. Yeah. Because it's different things that you see. Have you ever been scared going through there by yourself? Because you, obviously, you've been by yourself. Yeah. Driving no. through all that, right? Probably, I, I've been nervous one time. Uh-huh. One time we came through and the, the buffalo are always all over the road. There's animals all over the road. That's just the norm. Uh-huh. You're And the, it's their road. You're just borrowing it. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. And this one time we stopped and all the buffalo came up and they were like rubbing along the side of my motorhome. And I wasn't scared really, but I just kept thinking, oh, I hope they don't break something. <laughs> because oh I, I mean, I, you know... I'm on the Alcan, and you have to understand there's no service stations, there's no parts, there's no nothing. So that was my only concern ever. But no, and you know, I've, I've ran into bears on foot. I always carry bear spray. I actually have bear spray in my in my motorhome no matter where I go, because mm-hmm. it's the one thing that's legal everywhere, and it'll definitely deter anybody from coming close to you I would because you can shoot 30 feet with it wow where you know you think about pepper spray it's not going to reach that far yeah um i wouldn't purposely ever want to spray it on a person but if it was me or them yep oh yeah Yeah. Yeah. we all know how that goes right you know it's so it you know i always carry bear spray but i i've never you know mostly the animals just don't i mean they're used to people being around and as long as you don't bother them they don't bother you Mm -hmm. what about the roads conditions of the roads as you go north i tell people this all the time because people have this you know there's so many myths in the world right and the big myth is that the roads are horrendous up there but i tell people you know i've been in i think 44 states now with the motorhome and mexico canada alaska the roads are worse to me in north northeastern Maine mm-hmm. <laughs> because yes. of the, obviously because of the winter conditions right. and it's yes. expensive to keep it up. And then that. in Louisiana, oh, yes. Louisiana are horrible. Oh. And to well, me, oh. those are the worst too. And that's where I've had the most breakdowns secondary to road issues. Mm-hmm. But going to Alaska and Canada, going through Canada, I mean, I've been through Canada all the way from Quebec to Alaska, all the way. And then I've been up to um, Nova Scotia and everything too. And the roads are just not that bad. You can't you know necessarily drive all of them 65 70 miles an hour mm-hmm. but you can't drive all the roads in the u.s that fast right. yeah and so what i tell people is that the worst part of it and it, it's not even that bad is where they have the the permafrost which mm-hmm. causes the frost heaves and those are so well marked you can see they have them all marked with orange flags and orange cones you can see it a mile ahead of time you just have to slow down you think of like the topas in mexico or the speed bumps in the u.s but you don't have to go that slow i mean honestly most you can tell as you're getting up to it how severe it is and it's just a raise in the road so i mean like 30 35 when you're going through there but they're not like right on you know you might run into four or five at once and then you may not see another one for 100 miles mm-hmm. and they only cover about the last 200 miles that may not be exact i don't know i've never measured but that's roughly in my mind i think about the last four or five hours to get to toke alaska and then you don't see them i've never seen them in alaska have you ever broken down have you ever had any issues trying to get so fixed or? i've never had anything broken down because of the roads mm-hmm. um and i've never lost a windshield my coach is 12 years old i saw the original windshield in it and i've never lost windshield in the car when they were doing a lot of construction during covid when i came home there was a lot of gravel and a lot of tar and i had some issues with my blue ox that i was towing with because it 
we kept having some issues there because they they t- decided well nobody's there during covid because they didn't allow anybody to come through but i had went up through early in april so they were doing like 500 mile stretches of construction wow. which i had never seen that before i mean usually it's like you know 30 40 miles mm-hmm. and then you know you won't see they do it in little pieces so come they, to ohio in the summer and we'll show you construction <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well and that's what you have to understand is they have to do all their construction right in the summertime mm-hmm. i mean they just and they have to to do a lot of construction because they have a lot of snow yeah, so, that makes sense. yeah but no i really haven't had any problems I and mean, i've had more breakdowns in northeastern maine you know than i ever had and i've actually on my coach in 100 this hard to believe this but 100 and what i tell you 445,000 miles yeah. i've only ever had one flat tire on my coach wow and it was right outside of tucson arizona on the on the 10 which is a really good road mm-hmm. and i picked up a nail and i have a uh, temperature pressure monitoring system and it went off and i was i was less than a mile from an exit thank you (laughs) and so i was like i went off the exit and by the time i got to the bottom it was flat so it went from 105 pounds to flat in you know minutes wow but um i was able to call and they came out they fixed it roadside and i was on my way and I, I do tell people, you know, if you're doing a trailer, trailers do have more tire issues. So when I say that, I always get because they do have more tire issues. And then the other thing is, you, you know, we all know if you have a nice coach, you take care of the tires because that's not a way you want to lose your coach. No, <laughs> so. not good at all. We got to take a short break. We're going to be right back and talk about a warm weather destination that you may not have considered. Hey, where can you see hundreds of the newest RVs all under one roof and at fantastic prices? At the Ohio RV Super Show, presented by Progressive, Wednesday, January 4th through Sunday, January 8th at the IX Center in Cleveland, Ohio. You'll see and be able to go in tent campers, travel trailers, fifth wheels, toy haulers, and motorhomes. The event is packed with any and all RVs to fit any size family, couples, or single camping needs. And we're going to be there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. See comedy chefs Mac and the Big Cheese and the ultimate outdoor cooking show plus magical fun and balloons with Mr. Zap. The Ohio RV Super Show also features tons of vendors showcasing anything and everything related to RVing and camping. So get your tickets online at www.ohio.com. OhioRVShow.com. Kids 12 and under are free. Save $2 Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for all seniors, 60 plus, all military and first responders. We'll see you at the Ohio RV Super Show presented by Progressive Wednesday, January 4th through Sunday the 8th. At the IX Center in Cleveland, Ohio. Mexico. Let's talk a little bit about Mexico. I've never really considered going to Mexico because I know my insurance doesn't pay for it. In other words, you can get car insurance and RV insurance in America and it's okay in Canada, but I remember seeing my policy, it said not valid in Mexico, Right. but you can get it, right? Yes, definitely. And I want to clarify something on that, too. Almost all U.S. insurances are valid in Canada, but you should always call your insurance company and you should also make them aware you're going to be there. Yeah. Um, but for Mexico, what you do is you just take out insurance for Mexico. Mm-hmm. So I personally carry Progressive on my motorhome mm-hmm. and Progressive has insurance for Mexico called Progressive Mexico and it's just ProgressiveMexico.com. Right. And I get my insurance through Progressive. That way, if you do have a problem down there, your insurance company 
because it's the same insurance company helps you take care of anything also our coaches are very expensive it's not like taking an inexpensive car down there and having a, an issue when you take a motorhome down there it's a little different yeah. and it's not hard to get it's it's i don't think it's horribly expensive you know everybody has different levels of tolerance for that but the thing is they have a lot of insurance you can buy much cheaper um, for Mexico, you can just go online and you'll, you'll find thousands of them. But the problem is, are you going to get your motorhome or your car or your trailer or whatever fixed properly and, you know, suitably afterwards? Right. And so it's just like when you buy insurance here. I mean, any of us can shop and get really, really cheap insurance, right? But will it pay when we need it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so these are funny. these are my home. This is my home. Right? Yeah. This yeah. is your home. So right. you, you want to be sure that you're going to be taken care of. And um, all that being said, the first time I remember going to Mexico, I was seven um that's the year my dad really started you know stopped traveling and started and staying in one place we started traveling a lot and so i've i've been there every year and i'm 62 since i was seven and some years <laughs> you know i'm there all winter long i stay in mexico all winter i have very um very comfortable down there just like canada i don't i've never had any problems i stay on the beaches by myself in my motorhome for weeks on end i might not see a person for seven eight weeks and mm-hmm. it's not a problem favorite spots that you like in mexico so i um, it's kind of a, just a personal preference. The Pacific Ocean is cold. And when I was young, I'd, I'm a scuba diver. I dove in the ocean all the time. As I got older um, and then had some medical problems, I was less tolerant of the cold. So now I actually go on the eastern side of the Baja Peninsula. Sea Cortez is about 20 degrees warmer than the Pacific. Oh, that's nice. And I like to snorkel and scuba. This la- last time I was here, not this last year, but the year before, I actually went snorkeling with the uh, whale sharks, oh, which wow. was amazing. Oh, nice. <laughs> So you're swimming next to a fish that weighs, you know, close to a ton. It's pretty amazing. Gosh. <laughs> I would imagine so. God. But the other thing I tell people, too, is I always went to mainland Mexico. I don't do that anymore other than places like Point Pinesco, which is only about, you know, an hour or so south of um, the border there at Tucson. And I tell people it's not, um, it's just that there's more issues and I choose not to deal with those issues. Right. A lot of people still go there. A lot of people are safe. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But I do mention that as an older person, I just don't want any issues, right? I right. don't want to deal yeah. with that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And the cartels, <laughs> you might go there 30 years and never see anybody, and then you right. might have something happen. It's, but I don't think it's any less safe there than it is here, honestly. Right. I mean, you can't even go to Walmart anymore, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I don't go to Walmart anymore. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Walmart, you have been docked at casinos walmart what other places okay so well my favorite no people i don't think it's say whatever they want my favorite spot is walmart yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> because they're they're very you know i always call and ask always call and ask right. i don't put down my jacks i don't put out my slides i do put out my one backslide a little ways because it's the only way i can get my 13 year old 65 pound springer i mean as border in the back room uh-huh. but i always try to do some shopping there because usually you need some shopping when you're traveling mm-hmm. but there's so many now i would say about half of them that I call anymore, you no longer can stay there. So the other thing I've really, really gotten into the last several years is Harvest Host. Mm -hmm. Um, It's fabulous. And they've added more and more and more and more places. And I have so many neat experiences. This this last time I came home from Florida, I stayed in a a llama farm. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) You know, and I mean, they gave us a little tour. We got to hand feed them. It was cool. But, um, you know, you can, there's breweries, there's wineries, there's golf courses. There's a really cool museum 
um, just the other side of El Paso, Texas, a museum at an airport, an air base, mm -hmm. and it's got all the military history in it, and I'm a pilot, I love planes, so, you know, I stayed there one night, went to her the next morning, the museum and stuff. I love it, and I mean, if you consider the price of it, I mean, you pay it one time a year, and mm -hmm. I don't know what the current price is, because I actually was an original member, so I got grandfathered in, but it's it's less than $100 last time I looked. Right. And then you don't have to pay anything else, per se. Yeah. They ask you just to purchase something or do something or donate something at the, but it doesn't have to be a lot. And it's great because they're everywhere now. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I do that in the morning. I look up and say, hey, where's the harvest host about where I'm going to be? Yeah. yeah. It's cool. Well, I would imagine that you recommend this lifestyle to people. Oh, my gosh, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's absolutely, you know, if it's something you want to do, I mean, obviously, it's got to be something you'd be interested in doing. But um, I always tell people, you know, you never have to worry about that neighbor or anything. Because, you know, if you got that neighbor, you just, you know, start the engine and roll on out. That's what wheels are made for. <laughs> yeah. But you just have so many experiences and you're not rushed, you know, on a vacation, which is what we all did when we were working. You know, you're rushed to get everything done and you're trying to do everything and it's kind of tiring and you come home exhausted. And for this, you know, you get up in the morning and say, well, I don't feel like going and seeing anything today, so I'm going to stay home and read a book, you yeah. know, <laughs> and you're in your home, you have all your stuff. I don't even want to get on a plane and travel anymore because I can't take everything with me, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I traveled, I had over a million miles on United Airlines. <laughs> I mean, I used to travel a lot, but now I really just love having all my own stuff and yeah. And I think that it's there's so many places to go. I don't think you could ever run out. I really don't think you know you'd ever run out of places to go. Where haven't you been? <laughs> I haven't been to Hawaii. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I've been to Hawaii personally, but I haven't taken the motor home. Let me oh, yeah. right now. <laughs> oh. I'd love to go see that volcano there. Yeah, yeah, it's, I've seen the one on the Big Island, mm -hmm. the one that's going off right now. Oh. I was actually there one time when it was spurting, so we got to see the the fresh lava. And I also lived on an island in uh, the West Indies called Dominica, mm -hmm. and it's it's a volcano island. I got to see that volcano, and it was really cool because it had lava tubes. Just you see them in Hawaii too, but they were actually active when I was diving, and I got to dive in a lava tube that had active lava in it, wow. it was kind of cool oh now when i say that i don't mean i went in there with the lava i mean i was right outside oh, of course, <laughs> but um yeah you know there's not too many places i mean i've been to every state haven't been to every state in the motorhome yet it gets chilly pretty fast up in the the northeast so i've i've kind of been through there but i don't count the state if i don't even spend the night in it i don't think that's fair Greg. right yeah <laughs> and we have some friends jim and melinda mantel that do the same thing and they went to a state they were going through a state i forget which one it was and melinda said can we pull over and take a nap <laughs> and count the state and jim said no, no. <laughs> well but honestly you know when you're driving through in the motorhome it, it's not like flying over you do see a lot even yeah. if you don't actually spend the night mm -hmm. and sometimes it just doesn't plan out right because it's a right. small state or something like that you know those kinds of things and i had trouble when i was in the northeast i'm i'm a big rig mm -hmm. and so a lot of the campgrounds were really small and hard to find yeah. and then the other thing is i love lobster so i stayed in maine 30 days eating lobster every single day so i kind of yeah. ran out of you know, oh my god! I, uh, I I really identify with that. Oh my gosh! Yeah, my mother and I went there. We said, you know, we love lobster. Let's see about it. You know, yeah. just having lobster every single day was kind of a bet, and we did every single That's day. Fantastic! We, oh she gosh. had it for breakfast one day. Oh yeah, for sure. Why well, not? Sure. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. instead of um, it was it was it lobster, lobster Benedict. Benedict, instead right? Of, yeah. You know, when I used to fly to Alaska with my dad, we'd fly his private plane up, just land on the beach, and we would be on island 
islands all by ourselves and fishing for wow. salmon and stuff. Incredible. And we would eat salmon for <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh because gosh. if dad didn't want to feel like flying into town, that's you know what we had. Right. And we'd be canning it. We always canned a bunch of sin at home. But you know, we'd have salmon for, you know, four or five, six weeks while we were up there every single day for most of our meals and he never got old. <laughs> So now I have another question here mm-hmm. because, you know, it's the two of us and I am the map. I always have to tell them where to go, you know, and all that. How do you do that by yourself? You know, that's you probably honestly that. the hardest thing that you do. So yeah. one of the things I do, and I learned this early on in my first six months in the rig is, um, so remember that I'm a pilot. So I'm used to flying. VFR is, is very important, visual, visual things. So I use Google Earth. Okay, mm-hmm. and I used it a lot in real estate. I own a lot of apartments, and I I used it to buy real estate and look at real estate from the air and stuff like that. But I use Google Earth, and before I take a route, if I've never taken that route, a few days before I look over the route and I look for you know bridges that I might not fit under, intersections that are not safe, narrow roads or mountains or you know I don't mind driving in any of those things, but I want to know what's coming up. I don't like surprises. Right. You're all always going to run into a surprise once in a while, um, a detour or something like that but if, if you do that and it doesn't take that long google earth is an app if you don't know what it is it's free you can get it on the internet you can pay for a version that's a little bit better um i don't pay for the virgin ver, the other version because i find the just the free one works fine mm-hmm. and and then you can always look ahead of time and then i tell people you know if you have to get detoured off then you just slow down and go a little slower and you know try to and then the other thing is i never drive at night Never right. drive at night. But I have two, um, I always have two different versions running for my map. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually use Waz and, and Google. Those are, And I tried the RV GPSs, the trucker GPSs. I just didn't find them that useful for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. I a found, lot of them are real clunky. Yeah, yeah. and they, didn't, they weren't accurate. Mm-hmm. And I found that the Google Earth was a better way to go. And then, like I said, I always run two apps so that if there's a detour or, you know, they're always, they tell you about the accidents ahead of time so you can get off and go somewhere else if it's you know uh, the other day when i was coming up here they closed i-5 major major thoroughway and so the highway patrol had a detour and i had to take the detour so i was literally driving what i call blind because i hadn't seen the route and right. even as i've been in california all my life i'd never been in these two towns and it was a very uncomfortable feeling i wouldn't want that so yeah. i i think it's something that's really easy to do mm-hmm. it doesn't take that long i'll spend a couple hours in the evening a few days before i drive and you can see everything right and you know where you're going and what you're going to come into and that's important too because you know when you're driving an rv it is a full-time job you right. don't have time to grab a phone you can't really hang on to a cup of coffee or anything like that because this yep. is a major this is a major yeah. production driving yeah. these yeah, things. yeah i don't i don't ever answer my phone i do use my phones for my gps's because they're smaller and easier to use but i don't mess with them when i'm driving i don't do anything i, right. I t- everybody knows that when i'm driving i won't answer the phone don't worry about me you know yeah. <laughs> text me and i'll answer you the next time i stop and yeah. um i don't do anything when i'm driving i have a drink of water usually a bottle of water and that's right. about it yeah um i don't even and I don't even like to have bottles. I like to have a cup with a straw so I don't have to take the lid off and yeah, stuff. Right. And it's really, you know, because you ha- you can't stop on a dime. That's what's so frustrating yeah. is people pull right in front of these rigs. Oh, yeah. You can't stop on a dime. And then you never know what's going to be in the road or, you know, when you come around a corner. Or, you know, it's just something that you really, really want to be yeah. cautious. And So do you have like a certain amount of time 
or miles that you would do at a time? So comfortably, you know, on a good day, 250 is what I like to do. Yeah. Now, the, you know, the thing is, sometimes it's like 300 miles and then you go, okay, well, I'll do the extra, you know. Yeah. But, you know, I've done as many as a thousand in a day and it's miserable. There was a reason it was, you know, someone was ill. But, you know, it, it's just not good. You don't, you're not sharp enough. I don't care if you're 20 or 60. You're not yeah. sharp enough to drive this kind of rig those miles. Right. Um, good point. Really just don't. And another good rule, not coming in at night, that was the way we all met. <laughs> right. Because there was a big 41-foot rig coming in next to you, and thank goodness you heard it, yeah. and you turned on your security lights. Mm-hmm. Behind yeah. us and next to you. Yeah. Yes. That, was, that funny. was really something. Yeah. I've only, that's happened to me three times, and actually I did happen here because of the close down on I-5, mm-hmm. and um, it was ironic because I always have backup plans. I have harvest hosts and things like that. Well, coming through LA, there's a lot less of availability for me to get off the road at 65 feet, and so I, I my backup plan was the casino down the road about 18 miles here if I was going to get in here at night, mm-hmm. and darned if the exit wasn't closed oh, so no. you know there's always even if you have the best backup plans things can happen yes. but i you know the one thing is that i i don't have an ego about this i mean because i'm alone and i don't have spotters if i pull in and it's late or it's an iffy spot to get into i just ask my neighbors to help me yeah. you know a couple extra set of eyes make all the difference in the world yes. it sure um, does you know, I always drive my own rig. I don't let anybody else touch my rig because I have the most experience in it and everything. But right. I certainly don't mind an extra set of eyes. And they, you shouldn't have pride about that or think somebody will feel bad if you, you know, and I tell people this when they're first starting out, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. If you've never backed a trailer, if you've never done some of those things, go to a parking lot and practice. But you're still going to find those, you know, places where they're hard to get into. Even after five years, sometimes I still find a place that's really tight. Mm-hmm. And it's there's nothing wrong with asking people to, to watch out for you and help you and and you know they don't have anything else to do they love coming out and helping people yeah but some people won't ask because some people if you offer to help they're rude about it and so then people don't ask because they're afraid that you will be insulted right especially yeah. as a woman they think well she's going to get insulted I, yeah i'm not you know i'm not like that at all i tell everybody when i went to medical school all the other doctors took ego and i took handwriting and yeah. I, just don't, I don't i would rather have someone help me and get in there and five minutes and not you know not mess anything up then have a problem yeah Yeah. you're right well i think you're an inspiration to women and i think you're an inspiration to every rver out there oh yes well i I think everyone can do it if you really want to do it you know just and i tell people you know try it out you know rent something or buy something inexpensive first because some people it's just not right for Mm -hmm. and don't go out and buy the most expensive brand new rig partly because you're trying to try to learn to use this too and you know but also just you know try something out just rent an rv you know one of the greatest things to do we were talking about alaska is it's very economical to rent rvs in alaska and a couple times when i went up um when my parents when my father was really ill it was just too much to undertake that long trip with him mm-hmm. and so we would fly up and rent an rv at anchorage you know in anchorage and go use the rv and that's a good way to spend two or three weeks there's not much traffic up there a few animals but yeah. you know you can go out in an rv and and try it out or anywhere else that you want to go but you know sometimes just try it and see because it just assuming that you can't do it or you know unfortunately people when you look at the internet they publish all the really hard days right they don't publish about the good days mm-hmm. but remember that there's several million of us out here doing this and you're only seeing a hundred thousand you know problems on the internet that means the rest of us are doing awesome yeah that's true (laughs) and even though we all have a bad day once in a while we all get over it and keep right on going you don't see us quitting (laughs) 
Wow. Well, Lisa, on that note, I want to thank you very much and, for and your time. And we wish you the safest oh, of journeys. Thank you oh, very much, goodness. and you guys as well. Oh. And get to Alaska. You just yes, got to. <laughs> we have to. I know. Lisa Hall. Oh, and by the way, here's something very interesting. She bought her RV used. She knew exactly what she wanted, and she bought a 41-foot Diffin Allegro. It's a 2010 because she wanted a diesel pusher and one that did not require DEF, the diesel exhaust fluid. Now, if you travel to Mexico, they don't have DEF. If your vehicle needs it, you have to bring your own. In Canada, though, it's no problem. Now, this podcast has been brought to you by the Ohio RV Super Show, presented by Progressive. The show goes from Wednesday, January 4th through Sunday, the 8th, at the IX Center in Cleveland, Ohio. And we're going to be there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday doing two presentations each day. We're looking forward to meeting you. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be back next week with another episode. Until then, safe travels. It's the Rockin' the RV Life podcast with Jeff and Patty. Hear more of their adventures on the road with our next episode. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and tell your friends.